Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues with part two of his teaching on finding faith. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister, and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. We've been talking about finding faith, and today is part two, and I think it will be the conclusion, but we'll see. Finding faith, part two. Last week, we talked about how that Jesus walks in the midst of the churches from time to time, and when he does, he's looking for faith. If you would indulge me, I really feel like that we need to read these uh, basic foundational scriptures again. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 8 in the New King James Version. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? On the earth. Amen. I believe it's a valid question these days. The Amplified says, Will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? Glory to God. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, and chapter 2, verse 1. Last week, this is on the podcast, I referred to this as John chapter 1, verse 20, and chapter 2, verse 1, because I was fixated on John, but I have made the correction. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. It is clear that the candlesticks stand for or represent the churches. So from these two scriptures, we we find that Jesus comes and when he comes, he's looking for faith. Amen. And the question is, the rhetorical question from scripture is, will he really find faith? And like I said, I think it's an open question, especially in the body of Christ today. There aren't that many churches that are preaching faith, walking faith, talking faith, doing faith. Amen. But we're going to be one of those that is walking, talking, and acting faith here at Faith Life Fellowship. It's even in our name. It's part of our life. Faith Life Fellowship. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If he comes to the earth looking for faith, I think you would agree with me that he's going to find different levels of faith when he comes. So I'd like to share some examples from the Scriptures where in his earthly ministry, Jesus encountered different levels of faith. 
And I have three categories of faith that I have derived from the words of Jesus himself. Little faith, faith, and great faith. And I'm going to share a couple of examples of each to illustrate some points. Amen? So first of all, under the category of little faith, Matthew chapter 8, verse 30 through 33. Now, this particular one has to do with provision. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So there's no question that Jesus considers these people to be of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Amen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. So the first thing we learn from this example of little faith is that if you're worrying, you're not in faith. Take no thought saying, what are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? What are we going to eat? You know, you take a thought by saying. I recommend that you not take a thought. (laughs) Don't take a thought by saying, say what the Bible says. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. And I don't care what my checkbook looks like. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to my bosom. Therefore, I'm a giver and it will be given unto me. And all my needs will be met. If you're going to say something, say something like that. Amen. Praise God. But there's one more thing we can learn from this example of little faith. There at the very end, Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Clothing, shelter, provision. If you're kingdom of God oriented, Jesus said, These other things that you spend so much time worrying about, they'll be taken care of. If you get your priorities right, God will take care of what he considers to be ancillary issues. The main issue is the priorities of the kingdom of God. Everybody with me? Hallelujah. Then Matthew eight twenty six. This one has to do with protection. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? There's that phrase again. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, And there was a great calm. Now, this is Matthew's account of the time that Jesus commissioned the disciples to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a storm was sent against them by the devil, I believe, to stop them from getting to the other side. And the Bible says they were sinking and the boat was filling with water. One of the other gospel accounts says that there were other little ships with them. So I often wonder if the big ship was taking water, what about the poor little ships? They must have really been in the hurt locker. Amen. And remember, they came to Jesus who was asleep in the hinder part of the ship, and they said, Jesus, save us. And he got up and he said, where is your faith? That's what Luke's account says. But Matthew says, O ye of little faith. And he rebuked the wind and the waves. And there was a great calm. Now, there's a couple of things we can learn there. 
Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So at least they had enough faith to go get Jesus and ask Him to save them. Amen? But Jesus is looking for a higher level of faith. That's why He said, Where is your faith? Amen? In Luke's account. What else can we learn? Praise the Lord. There's also some kingdom priorities at work here. Because if you read the whole story, you find out why it was important for them to go to the other side. When they got to the other side, they encountered the madman of Gadara who was infested with thousands of demons. And he was like a gatekeeper keeping darkness in and light out for that entire region of Gadara. And Jesus wanted to go to the other side to get that man delivered to open that region to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, kingdom priorities come into play here. So what am I saying? I'm saying the reason they should have had faith for divine protection is because they were about the Lord's business. They had to get to the other side to advance the priorities of the kingdom of God. There were people in darkness that were desperate for the light of the kingdom. Amen. Isaiah 9 verse 1 and 2 says, In Galilee of the nations, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. Amen. I believe this, this account of the madman at Gadara was one of the fulfillments of Isaiah's prophecy. In both cases of little faith, we see that putting kingdom priorities first is one of the keys to seeing supernatural provision and protection come into your life. Amen. All right, let's graduate from little faith to faith. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 22. This one has to do with healing. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now this is a story that's Very familiar to us, spirit-filled, especially word of faith types. Uh, But the version that most people quote from is Mark chapter 5. I picked this verse from Matthew 9 because of the phrase, touch the hem of his garment. The same identical term is used in Matthew chapter 14, verse 34 through 36. Again, this has to do with healing. And when they were gone over... They came unto the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Amen. Now, I have a little deduction to make here. The people of Gennesaret had heard the story of the woman with the issue of blood and knew that if they could get close enough to Jesus to touch His clothes, they would be whole. Amen? They knew if they could get close to the man of God, if they could get close to Jesus, they could be healed. So they mimicked 
the woman with the issue of blood, they got close enough to touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible says anybody that did was healed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe one of the lessons we can learn from these two examples of faith is this. If you pursue a relationship with Jesus to get as close to him as you possibly can, to have the most intimate relationship that you can, his anointing will be transferred into your life and you'll walk more and more in his power the closer and closer you get to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, why are these examples faith and not great faith? Because a lot of times the woman with the issue of blood is lauded as the highest level of faith. Man, she made a demand on the anointing. She said within herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And she pressed through the crowd and she exhibited a lot of bravery to do so because she was considered unclean and could be stoned for being in public. She risked her life to press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment and she was healed. And Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Amen. Why not great faith? Well, because in my opinion, she was still looking to go to where the man of God was to get her healing. I believe the highest level of faith can be found in the next examples from what Jesus called great faith. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10. This has to do with healing and deliverance. And we read this one last week, but I want to bring out some more uh, things this week, so we will read it again. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So you know that he was not only sick, but there was demonic oppression involved as well. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Amen? Very similar story in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 through 28. This one has to do with deliverance. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now in both of these examples, we see that the Roman centurion and the woman of Canaan 
neither of them Israelites, mind you, had the exact same revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. He had absolute authority and absolute power at His disposal. They knew that all Jesus had to do was say the word and that power would be released on their behalf. Amen? All you have to do is say the word. The woman said, listen, even a crumb of your power is more than enough. Just say the word. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus called that great faith. If we can ever get the revelation that all authority and all power has been given unto Jesus Christ and then He turned around and delegated it to the church, if we can ever get that revelation down in our heart, every need will be met and we'll be ready to face every challenge that comes our way as we fulfill the plan of God for our lives. Glory to God. That tees up rather nicely another category of faith that you won't find a chapter and verse for this, but I believe there's a higher level of faith. Obviously, we go from little faith to faith and great faith, but I believe the highest level of faith is something I call destiny faith. Amen? To begin, let's get back to the concept of the Lord walking in the midst of the churches. I believe it's nothing more than a New Testament expression of an Old Testament promise found in 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Amen? You study that word out perfect. It means Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches looking for those whose heart is perfect or complete toward Him. Listen, we are complete in Jesus. So you qualify as perfect, and this verse is talking about you. In other words, those who are sold out to Jesus and want to believe Him for big things in their lives, Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches looking for people like that. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.9 in the New King James Version says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Amen. Glory to God. It's a bit heady. It's a bit uh, hard to get our arms around. But the fact is, God had a destiny planted in you before the universe was created. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Once you were born again, you became aware of that destiny that was planted in you, and you wanted to begin the first steps walking down the fulfillment of that destiny. It's just natural. It was put in you. The desire to fulfill the plan of God was put in you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Listen to how it says it in the Amplified. This is awesome. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is, strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Amen. I believe the longing to be the man that God created you to be, to be the woman that God created you to be, is the most powerful longing in your innermost being. It trumps everything. 
Is there anybody that's a serious believer in Jesus Christ that has a relationship with Him that's born again, spirit-filled, that doesn't in their heart of hearts want to be the man or woman that God created you to be? Is there anybody out there like that? I haven't found many like that. In fact, it's usually the number one thing that Christians are concerned about. Am I in the will of God or not? Am I doing what God called me to do or not? Am I reaching the people He called me to reach or not? Isn't that right? Sometimes, this is not right, but sometimes we lose sleep over it, right? We want to be smack dab in the middle of God's will for our life because it is the most innate, visceral desire of your innermost being. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me share a testimony to illustrate this. On August 26, the year 2000, my wife and my three teenage daughters at the time had... uh, We had gone to the video store. Y'all remember that? Gone to the video store and we bought us some videos. And back in those days, it was an event, man. You go to the video store and everybody got excited. Everybody piled in the car and we went down there and we picked out the videos. Okay, I'm outnumbered because I'm a man and there's four women in the house. And so usually there was more chick flicks than I could handle, you know. Maybe I could get, I could usually get Leisha, my middle daughter, to watch a war movie with me. But uh, the rest of them, they were sold out on chick flicks. So this particular night, they were just cycling through all these chick flicks. Some of them, you know, that they'd seen two or three times before. And I had had enough. And so at about midnight, I said, I'm going to bed. You guys be blessed. So I went upstairs in the northeast corner of 9307 Belden Drive. In Shreveport, Louisiana, the northeast bedroom on the second floor. I'm channeling Brother Kenneth E. Hagen here. Amen. On the night of August 26, the year 2000, a little past midnight, I went to sleep, but I didn't sleep very long before I was awakened by the glory of God. The glory of God filled the bedroom. I have never experienced anything like it before. Or since the glory of God was so powerful, I was laying there awake and I was pinned to the bed. I could not move. There was the weight of God's glory that was holding me down on the bed. There was a wind blowing in the room and it was a powerful wind and it was blowing the drapes and blowing the covers that were on the bed. And I looked out of the corner of my eye and the windows were not open. It was a supernatural wind that was blowing in that bedroom that night. Then I became aware of a man standing on the foot of the bed, and I knew it was Jesus. And it wasn't long after the glory came in that the Lord began to deal with me about some things in my life that needed to change. Areas of my life that were not pleasing to Him. And it wasn't like He was trying to point fingers and nitpick me over sins in my life. The greatest concern of the Lord was I had not yet become the man that He created me to be. And when I got that revelation, when I felt that in my spirit, I began to burst into tears. And it took every bit of strength that I had, but I also had the impulse to worship the Lord. And I with every bit of strength I could muster, I lifted my hands off the bed into the air 
And this is what came out of me. Oh Lord, the greatest desire of my heart is to be like your son Jesus. To be the man you called me to be. To do the things you called me to do. To reach the people you called me to reach. Oh Lord, burn out of my life anything that's not like that. Anything that's keeping me back from becoming that man. Lord, burn it out. Change me, mold me, make me. Make me more like your son Jesus. I'm weeping, I'm shaking, I'm crying. And then all of a sudden I looked up to the ceiling of the bedroom and then the ceiling disappeared and and then this giant ball of fire came down into the bedroom, rested on my head and shoulders. And it burned and it burned and it burned. And I was aware of the great heat, but I was also aware that I wasn't being consumed. I knew it was the glory of God. I knew it was the fire of God come to cleanse me and purge me and help me become that man that... God had created me to be. And I don't remember exactly how long it lasted, but it lasted a good while. And then the glory lifted and went through the ceiling. And then I came out of the vision and I sat up in the bed and I was still weeping. I was still shaking. And I began to pray again, Lord, forgive me. For not being the man you called me to be. You see, above all other things that I needed to change in my life, he wasn't necessarily concerned about them in and of themselves. It was that those things were preventing me from becoming the man he called me to be. Therefore, he wanted me to deal with them so I could be the man he called me to be. And I've never forgot that night. Never forgotten it. And the thing that I took away from that was... When the glory comes in, your innermost desires come out. And the innermost desire of my heart most indisputably was that I wanted to be the man that God called me to be. It was in there. And I submit to you, if you're born again, if your spirit feel here this morning, that desire, whether you realize it or not, it burns strong in your heart of hearts. More than any other desire, you want to be the person God called you to be. You want to do the things he called you to do, and you want to reach the people he called you to reach. Yes, getting back to faith, Jesus will meet you at your current level of faith, especially when it comes to healing. But he does not expect your faith to remain little or small. Galatians 5.22 says that faith is a fruit of the Spirit, If it's a fruit, then it can grow. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. You need to read, study, meditate, live the word of God so that faith grows in your heart. So that you're going from one level of faith to the next level of faith to the next level of faith. So that I believe you operate at that level of great faith that made Jesus marvel. That's the level we're shooting for. Listen. I want to leave you with one final important truth. Believe in God for provision, protection, healing, or deliverance are all ancillary to the highest purpose of faith. These things merely position you for the purpose of God to be fulfilled in your life.
The highest level of faith is to believe God to fulfill the vision that he has for your life. To become the person that he's called you to be. To do the thing that he's called you to do. So you can reach the people that he called you to reach. To make a lasting impact for the kingdom of God. And to leave behind a spiritual legacy and heritage that will inspire future generations to do the same. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Finding Faith. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.